Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. Read this with me. We'll put it up. Philippians 4.19. We've read this lots of times. It's one of my favourite verses. I don't think it's been a preacher. Everyone gets to hear your favourite verses over and over again. Read the bold with me. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches in his, of His glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's Paul speaking to you. Now I want you to speak to you because I want you to replace all your needs with my needs. Here we go. Read this with me. And my God will meet all my needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. We're going to read it again. Because maybe you've been repeating your, about, maybe you've been talking about your sickness too much. Maybe we've been declaring, faith comes through hearing, maybe we've been talking about the problem too much. Maybe your spirit needs to hear the Word of God come out of your mouth, declaring over your situation, your kids, your parents, your grandkids, your workplace, your finance. It's not just corny religious repetition. I believe what the Word of God says is true. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. We'll do whatever it takes to get us there. I'm not gonna start preaching until I just feel the atmosphere of faith that's ready to receive. The seed is here, get the soil ready. Come on, be with me today. Join me today. Stand to your feet. So I'm active participation that allows the Spirit to recognise what God's doing. Come on, with faith, say this with me. And my God, whose God is it? And my God will meet all my needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Not just His leftover, not just His scraps, not just all He's got. I mean, just, it's more than you could imagine, exceedingly abundantly. If you're living in average, He's a God of pressed down, shaken together and running over. He's a God of joy unspeakable. He's a God that forgives not just enough, but 70 times 70 shows us never mind. His grace, His God's, His grace is sufficient in our weakness. He's a God that makes us more than conquerors. He's a God that's already overcome. Come on, put it back on the screen. Philippians 4, 17 says, And my God will meet all my needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. Wake up your spirit. Wake up your spirit today. For God, we could move on from miracles. But why would you move on until we see them? Sometimes you, I wake up my kids. Stay standing for a moment. So uh, I love that the kids never went to bed at camp. There's two problems I'm realising with near teenagers or young kids getting older is they don't want to go to bed and they don't want to get up. And young people, we have to get up and we do more stuff than you. I mean, we go to work, we go, we to go get jobs. You know, you know why I reckon young people can just stay in bed all day? It's because they don't wake up with a battle. And that's a good thing. King, those that think like children will inherit the kingdom of, kingdom of God. They don't wake up knowing, oh, if I don't go fight today, if I don't go work today, if I don't go study today, I don't have a future. They sleep. You have authority over the storms that you can sleep in. 
Some of us have had restless nights. Some of us have been living with turmoil. Some of us have had an anxious feeling and we don't know why. Some of us got youth used to the lack or the limitation that God never called us to be in. Some of us have lost that youthful enthusiasm and joy. Everyone say joy. I feel God wants to break through in this area today. I feel like some of us have just got used to uh, used to having our rest and our peace and our promises uh, disturbed. And now we're getting used to what God never called us to get used to. So we've lost our joy and we've lost our rest and we've lost our faith and we've got familiar with the wrong things. But I want to tell you, God wants to wake you up the fight in you again. And we're not moving on for miracles until we start to see it happen. Sometimes a dam that needs to break open just happens with a crack and then a bit more and then a bit more and then a bit more and then it bursts through. So today I want your spirit to come alive. Come on, Philippians 4, 17 says, And my God shall meet, meet all my needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Lift your hands to the God of heaven. Father, I just pray today that there would be such an anointing and faith in this place for Your supernatural power. Let You move in might and glory today. We believe and posture ourself, our spirit, our ears, our family, all we are to hear Your Word, to remember Your promises and step into Your miraculous power. Let revival sweep this church again. Let revival sweep this city again. As it's begun in the young, let it move to the old. We don't hold back. We don't get comfortable. We don't stay familiar. We ask Holy Spirit that You would move in us for Your glory, for Your honour and for Your praise. Everyone said... Amen. Give Him praise one more time. Now we're ready. Let's go. Come on. Grab your seats. There are two storms that Jesus finds Himself in. Jesus Himself finds Himself in two different storms. In three years of ministry, two storms. It's pretty unfortunate. The Bible's actually filled with storms, so don't be surprised when you get one. Noah found himself in one, Jonah found himself in one, Paul found himself in three, I think, with shipwrecked three times. Jesus found himself in two. Get your, isn't it Galoshans? I don't know what they're called. Anyway, get your, get, get your gumboots on. Storms come. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 says this, the first storm. Let me read them to you really quick. Matthew chapter 8. Everyone say Matthew 8. Then Jesus got into the boat and started to cross the lake with His disciples. Suddenly, everyone say, suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. Notice not onto the boat, into the boat. Following Jesus, you're gonna get wet. Not following Jesus, you're gonna get wet. There, you're gonna get wet. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke Him, shouting, Lord, save us, we're gonna drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then He got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly, everyone say suddenly, there was a great calm and the disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked, that even the wind and the waves obey Him. We're now gonna go to the next storm that Jesus is in and that's found in Matthew 14. Everyone say Matthew 14. The first one was Matthew 8. The next one's Matthew 14. It says immediately, everyone say immediately. After this, Jesus insisted that His disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while He sent the people home. Do we agree Jesus knows all? Then why would He send His disciples into a boat when what is about to happen is about to happen? Hmm. 
Amen. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples before wasn't immediately, but now is, oh, it's in the meanwhile. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, what time? Three o'clock in the morning, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Then, but Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went to the other side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he, when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Then they climbed back into the boat and the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. We see two storms. We see the storm in Matthew chapter eight and the storm in Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter eight, Jesus is right there. In Matthew chapter 14 storm, Jesus is nowhere to be seen. Two types of storms you'll walk through. In Matthew chapter eight, Jesus is having a snooze, fast asleep. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus is off praying. In fact, Mark's version talks about this second storm and it says Jesus was watching them in the storm. Sometimes when we're going, where is he? He's watching, but he's letting you ride it out for a little while. In Matthew chapter 18, in Matthew chapter eight, they had to wake up the one that was sleeping. Peter panics and has to wake up the one that's sleeping. In Matthew chapter 14, they think he's a ghost. In Matthew chapter eight, Jesus comes to the rescue. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus invites Peter to join him in the storm. In Matthew chapter eight, the storm stops instantly. Everyone say instantly. Meanwhile, in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus has left them around lunchtime let them go the afternoon, it goes dark and the storm is raging for near on nine hours. And when you are far from land in the middle of a storm, knowing that the one that can stop it instantly is nowhere to be seen, they are waiting for what seems like an eternity for Jesus to turn up in the middle of this storm. Church, some storms will finish quickly and some storms you have to outlast and endure. We believe as a church, we believe as followers of Jesus, that He can move instantly. And I always pray for God to move instantly. However, it takes just as much faith and sometimes even more to trust Him and be okay with the fact that sometimes He's going to allow you to walk through it. But here's the promise. He will be with you in both. He sees you in both and He has the power over the storm in both. He will bring calm at the right time in both and He is there with you in both opportunities. Just don't jump off the boat. Sometimes God will move now 
And sometimes because He is sovereign and we are not, He will move later, but He will bring calm if you don't quit, if you don't leave, if you don't jump off the boat. The problem is not when does Jesus move, the problem is do I have the right perspective in the middle of the storm? See, the disciples had the wrong perspective. Sometimes we have the wrong perspective. Then the first, in Matthew 8, in the first storm, their perspective is the storm. All they can see is the wind and the waves. In the second story, even when Jesus is there, all they can see is a ghost. Some people are so focused on the enemy and the devil is that even when Jesus is turning up, all we can see is Satan. All we can see is the problem. All we can see is what's coming against us. You've got to notice who's walking towards you, who's with you and who can see you. And what happens is when you've got the wrong perspective, even when Jesus invites you into the storm with Him, all we end up seeing is the wind and the waves. You see, the problem is in both cases, they lost their perspective. Don't put your eyes on the sickness, the lack, the struggle, the hurt, the pain and the worry. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the one that began it. He's the one that'll finish it in His perfect time. See, you will lose control at time. Is anyone that's a control freak? Give me a controlled wave. So no one can see, but God can. I'm controlling. I am control freak. You're gonna lose control in the storm. You're gonna lose control at times. You're gonna lose control of your problems. Jesus never said you wouldn't have problems or that you wouldn't lose control but it's that you never have to be out of control when you're not in control. You don't have to be out of control when you're not in control if you've got the right perspective. See, you can't control your problems. The one thing you can do is control your perspective. See, if all you talk about is the lack, then He is not your all-sufficient God. And when you look at the waves, you will get a sinking feeling. You have to choose what you see and what you speak out, and that will reflect what's in your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Is, if He is all sufficient, you're not talking about the lack. If you're talking about the problem, it's time to get your perspective shifted onto the one that is all sufficient. If, you, if He is your healer, you're not talking on the problem a dear friend of mine found out the other day they've got a bit of a medical problem and I talked to them and like, oh, I'm blessed. Why am I blessed? Because I know who my healer is because I was able to find out the diagnosis. Because God, I mean, when you know who your healer is, you can get a bad diagnosis and still keep your joy because the one who started it is the one who finished it. When you have weakness, it's not your weakness that you're focusing on. It's His grace that gives you strength to make it through. When you have peace, you're not focusing focusing on the worry. You're not focusing on the obstacles because you know His peace. What are you talking about? What are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? What's waking you up in the night? It's time to get a perspective shift. Some of us are waiting for things to change to get our rest back. No, get your rest back in the middle of the storm by shifting your perspective and then in His perfect time, He'll deal with the obstacle. Blessed is a perspective, it's not a bank statement. Healed and whole is a perspective, it's not a doctor's report. Loved is a, loved is a perspective, it is not a 
relationship status. Victorious is the perspective, it's not a feeling. When you live with the perspective of heaven, you can walk in authority, not because what you know Him to be reality, it's because you've taken on His perspective. Jesus didn't say you have little faith because there was a storm. He said you have little faith because in both instances, they didn't look from His perspective. You have to allow His perspective to be transferred into your life if you wanna walk through the storm. And when you come through this one, not just be rescued, but have peace in the next one that comes to. My boy Jackson plays basketball and uh, I'm living through my son and, uh, and he, play, he he's a good player. But the last this little bit of season just got lost in his mind a little bit. No other way of saying it. He's out there running, like he's like a little... Like a little, he runs after it really quick. But, but he just got lost in his mind. He kept positioning himself in the wrong spots. And if you're out of the wrong position, you're already in trouble. He then was looking, instead of at the ball, he was looking at the player he was defending. He had the wrong perspective. Some of you are sick of hearing stories about my kid. That's all I've got, guys. Okay, I'm just... I'm, is where I am in my season life. So what I had to do is, I realized when I coach Jackson, we fight. So I had to, either I don't coach him or I had to ask him for permission to give him my perspective. As a dad, I had to humble myself and say to my son, can I give you my perspective? The funny thing is when I asked him to allow me to give it to him, we stopped fighting. God won't fight you. He will wait for you to give him permission to give him your perspective, okay? So maybe he'll let you just keep on being in the wrong position with the wrong perspective until you give him permission to show you his. So I would talk to him and then train with him. I'd talk to him and walk it out, talk to him. He said this carnival, five games in a row. And in the fourth game, they made the grand final. It was on a Sunday morning. Well, I'm here, I'm in church and it's at Port Adelaide. So I missed the grand final. But Shans was first service, went to the second service, they're supporting him, texted me. And the moment the service finished, I'm in my car. And because I'm a good Christian, I went the speed limit all the way to Port Adelaide, right? And I got to Port Adelaide and partway through, she's texted me, they've won the grand final. And I missed the game, but I wanna get in for the end presentations. And I pull into the car park and there's an elderly lady doing a 28 point turn. I'm like, bless her Jesus. And I reversed out and I found another car park three blocks away and I ran fast, man, all the way up. And I'm about to go into the presentation room and I'm sure it's over. And as I go to walk in there, a guy says, you can't go in there. I said, I've gotta go in there. He's like, you can't go in. They're doing a presentation. I'm like, it's why I can't came all the way from paradise to see this presentation. I opened the door and as I opened the door, all the presentations finished except for one thing. And the guy says, and the MVP of the grand final is Jackson Greenwood. And I'm like, yeah, baby! But what happened was the boy that was in the wrong position and the wrong perspective allowed me, who had a higher position, who had a different perspective, a more mature perspective, just to speak into a small perspective shift and end up being victorious. I walked in, the whole game, he's like, where is he? But like the book of Mark said, I was always watching. And I came in just at the last minute. <laughs> Brain break. Jesus gave his disciples what he had. 
What was Jesus doing in Mark, Matthew 8? He was asleep. What does that mean? It means he had peace. He had peace. You have authority over any storm you can sleep in. So we then go over to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. And we find Peter in prison. Thomas the day before has had his head. Peter knows he's gonna die. But God sends an angel to rescue him. But you know what the angel has to do? Wake Peter up. Because the one who was panicking in Matthew chapter eight in the middle of a storm is now in one that's literally about to take his life. But he's received heaven's perspective and now Peter is able to sleep in the cell. He's learned to trust Jesus. With Jesus, transformation is meant to happen from the inside out. We want the chaos around us to stop. Jesus wants the chaos inside you to stop more. Let me say it again. We want all the miraculous. We want the signs and the wonders so I can have peace. Sometimes he moves in the moment, but sometimes he brings peace inside me before he brings peace to the storm. Just the keys can come. Of late, as a church, we've had many cool moments that just show and are evidence to me of what God's doing in us. I look at our youth camp. 450 young people worshiping Jesus. I mean, when the whole world says to anything else, there they're lifting up, singing new songs. Tell me God's not doing something. To see new songs coming out of the church again and out of the young people again. Tell me God's not doing something. Our heart for house, and keep please bringing it in. But if the pledges come in, for the first time we've broken a million dollars in pledges in our half a house offering. Whenever there's financial breakthrough, there's spiritual breakthrough because it's the great battle for a church and people. Uh, that land in a week and a half, as we go into our 100th year, and we're not going to talk about our 100th year yet, but God has clearly shown us what's about to be open. He's going to open heaven. That's happening right now, but watch what He does. And that land's about to go so there can be fuel to run into the next. We're preaching on talking and believing and fighting for miracles. Revival. So what happens is when you push against the enemy, he gives a little bit of a pushback. I notice with our staff, story after story after story after story after story after story of families and homes just going through the ringer. Sickness, illness, ongoing illness, doctor's reports that just wouldn't change, death, literally. Pain, loss, car crashes, theft, things going wrong with banks. If I, could, if I could talk through all that the staff go through and pray for your staff because they position themselves on the front line. But I know what happens in the staff happens in a church. So we called ourselves to extended prayer and fasting. All this month we've been fasting on Fridays. Don't come here four o'clock on a Friday. Everyone's angry. Five o'clock, Macca's drive-thru. <laughs> Not the way to break a fast. We've been praying, extended times of prayer. 
Because when you, the enemy, the enemy doesn't have many brain cells, so he goes, he does the same things over and over in different ways. You eventually, as you get older, come on, anyone that's just lived a bit of life, you, you eventually learn the patterns of the enemy, right? As a church, he often comes against a number of things, unity, but we feel really united. Finances, we're walking in breakthrough. Spirituality, there's a genuine hunger for God at the moment. We see more people filled with the Spirit and saved this year than we have in so many years gone by. With so many testimonies and miracles. Come on, yeah, let's thank God. We can do that. Praise break. Woo! So he attacks the family. Because if he can weaken home, he's trying to hurt the church. So we're praying and fasting. I tell you, today we want to do that for you too. We have to start with us because we need breakthrough so that you can break through. But I believe if it's happening in our families, maybe it's happening in your families too. And it's not a sign that you've done something wrong. Jesus put you in the boat. It's that we're moving forward and taking ground and it's the very evidence that God is about to unleash all His glory all over our church, this city and your life. One last prison. In Acts chapter 16, um, Paul and Silas are literally through miracles and prayer and salvation turning a city upside down. And anytime there's a city that's being changed by the miraculous, there's an enemy that wants to chain you up. So what happens is there's a pushback. There's a pushback that says the crowds turned against them. It's not just one, it feels like opposition on every side. Because if you're not moving forward, there's no need for the enemy to attack you. They say, if you're not moving forward, there's no need for the enemy to attack you. Sometimes when you're under attack, no, it's only because you're taking ground, ground that was already won for you. Don't resist, keep going. But it has no authority over you if you know Jesus' peace. So we get to Acts chapter 16. I won't read it, but let me just, you can read it after. What they do to Paul and Silas, who are preaching, teaching, seeing miracles, seeing people set free, is the first thing is they strip them. The enemy will do a number of things when he comes for you. He'll strip you of your confidence. He'll try and strip you of your energy, try and strip you of your authority. Then what they do is they beat them. I don't know if you've, ever, you've been beaten by your thoughts lately. I know the battle of the mind tries to beat us up. It's not always other people. It's often my thoughts and my, plays, my, 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 my opinions. And, and opinions come and they beat me up. And then they get chained up. See, the enemy doesn't want you set free. The enemy doesn't want this church off the chain. The enemy doesn't want this church walking into revival and seeing miracles and hungry for more of the Holy Spirit because he knows if it happens in this church, the head, like the church that God's designated to be the leader in this city, where this church goes, the city goes. If we walk into revival, Adelaide walks into revival. I prophesy that in Jesus' Name. He doesn't want you seeing miracles, so He'll bring sickness and loss and frustration to chain you up because if He can chain you up, He can chain the city up. And then what happens is they're guarded. Paul and Silas are stripped, beaten, chained up in the lowest dungeon. And then they're guarded. Why do you need a guard if you've been stripped, beaten and chained up? I'll tell you what the guard represents. The guard represents intimidation. It's often the last form of attack. It's funny, our team's walking through it, but even the last nights, the enemy's had to go in our family. Just being open, 
Yesterday, 5 a.m., I had to warfare because of the spirit of intimidation that'll come. And it tries to bring in fear and anxiety where it has no authority. And you just got to get worship and put on the armour of God and get the Scripture of God in your lips and begin to push back. And all of a sudden, what is started with intim- finished with intimidation ends up being faith. That's how the enemy works. He does it to Paul and Silas and he does it to us. So they're chained up, they're locked up, they're beaten and they're guarded because the enemy will go to any length to make sure you don't get out, to make sure your spirit doesn't get free, to put your eyes on the wrong thing. But God has never seen a problem that He can't get you out of. There is no storm that Jesus won't turn up to. There is no situation that's too bad for God. There there is no Lazarus that's too far dead that he can't be risen again to life. So what Paul and Silas start doing, the Scripture says, and I don't have time to read it, but you know the story or you can read it yourself. They start praising God. And when they have the right perspective, they're able to start praising because praise is the evidence of the right perspective. Gossip and complaining and frustration is the evidence on your lips of wrong perspective. But praise and worship is the evidence of the right perspective on your life. And what happens is they start praising, the place starts shaking. And when the thing starts shaking, it's not the sign that the roof's gonna fall down on your head. Often when things are shaking all around you, you and you've been posturing yourself in praise and worship. It is not the evidence that you're about to die. It's the evidence that you're about to get set free. The storm isn't there to take you out. The storm is there to get you out. The earthquake, the shaking, the the quaking is there to set you free. And what's cool is when they get set free, everyone else's chains come off too. You think your battle's just yours. It's actually gonna set the chains free in your family. You think your fa- it's just your family's chains. Your chains are gonna set the church free. You think it's just the chains on the church. The church's chains is gonna set the city free. You see, it was never just about my situation. It was about a posture that was gonna see others set free. Let me show you one last thing. When that happens, a door opens. And there's a jailer and he's freaking out because he thinks he's gonna die because every person that was chained up is gonna run away. And as he's about to take his life, Paul says, hello, we're here. When you're in a storm, there will be open doors, but not every open door is from God. It's in the middle of the earthquake. It's in the middle of the shaking. It's in the middle of the sickness, the difficulty, the frustration, the fighting, that there will be open doors to run. Don't run. Jesus will lead you through open doors, but don't run through those open doors to find Jesus. Jesus will find you in the storm. When you, too many people run from a church, they run from a family, they run from a marriage, they run from a job, they run from difficulty because they're looking for a way out. Jesus is looking for a way in. And when you are willing to wait where you are, knowing He is going to turn up, He will lead you at the right time and the right way through those open doors. And because they didn't run, not only did that jailer not take his life, that jailer found Jesus. And not only did that jailer find Jesus, but his family found Jesus. And a trigger had started, that revival would take the city. And it says they were filled with joy. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher. The one who started is the one who finished it of our faith for the joy, the evidence of a Christian, the sign of a Christian that in the storm or in the mountaintop, in the valley, in the difficulty, in the good and the bad, you can have joy 
When you've got Jesus, come on, stand to your feet. But they made this one mistake. They made this one mistake. They thought they did enough because not many brain cells. And the same pattern back then is the same pattern here. They were stripped. Yep, we are. Beaten, for sure. Chained up at times, Uh uh-huh. Guarded, intimidated. This is the mistake. They put Paul and Silas in the same prison cell. They should have isolated them. They should have separated them. They should have put them in the opposite sides of the dungeon. But they put two people with the right perspective in the same room. And when two people with their eyes fixed on Jesus get in the same room, there's a praise that comes from the inside of them that breaks off chains, that opens doors, that shakes heaven, that shifts an atmosphere and begins to set people free. You might be here today and you're stripped, you're beaten, you're guarded, you're chained up, but God placed you in a room with someone else that's gone through the same thing. And if your posture, if your perspective can be fixed on Jesus, there's a shaking that's about to happen. There's a move that's about It's happening in the microphone. It's happening here when God begins to move, when we begin to praise, things begin to change and Jesus turns up in the middle of His storm. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, 
the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.